Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. I just gotta say, can the Golden State Warriors second unit play the Spurs second unit every single night? I mean, I don't care about the starters. Like when the Warriors go play the Suns on Wednesday in Phoenix, can the Warriors starters play the Sun starters and then bring in the Spurs second unit to play the Warriors second unit? The Spurs are not a good team. And the Warriors treated them the way they should have. The Warriors smacked them 132-95. And the Warriors haven't smacked much of anybody (laughs) this season. So this was a very uh, satisfying win for Warriors fans. It just, it felt like how Warriors games have felt during the dynasty when they've been dominant. And as soon as I saw the starting lineup announced for the Spurs, I was like, okay, (laughs) okay. Uh, No disrespect to them, but I only know who like two of these dudes are. And if the Warriors get like hijacked by this team, get surprised by them, then it's going to be a very, very bad night. This was a game the Warriors had to have, especially after the loss to the Kings last night. So I'm glad that they uh, built up a decent lead, lost it a little bit towards the end of the first quarter, and then it went back up and then went back down. And then after halftime, the starters put it like beyond reach and it was, it was over. So that was uh, a pretty, pretty, (laughs) pretty, it reminded you how these games feel. But uh, yeah, this was a definite steamrolling. First and foremost, Jordan Poole, uh, he had an unbelievable game. He looked like a guy who deserved to get paid more than he signed for uh, at the beginning of the season. He started in place of Clay because Clay still doesn't play back-to-backs. And I joked on Twitter that, oh man, clearly, clearly... Uh, Jordan Poole's been dogging it coming off the bench and he just turns it on when he starts to make it seem as if he should always be starting, that he's better when he's starting. Uh, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, Clay was on the broadcast with uh, Run TMC and Tom Tolbert, which was actually entertaining in its own way. And, you know, for like the third quarter, Clay was was a guest on. And uh, I'll be honest, like, you know, Clay was saying all the right things, but you could tell, you could tell like a little bit, he was like distracted by seeing Jordan Poole go off, not saying anything, but just, you know, observation, like hearing his, the tenor of his voice and just looking at him when he was on camera. But, you know, I always figured, to be honest, I've said this on the show a while ago, a couple years ago, maybe, but I always thought that Clay eventually would kind of fall into that Monte Ginobili role where when he was ready, when he was personally ready, he would be cool with like coming off of the bench. He's obviously not ready because he needs to get to a point where he feels good and then decide to go to the bench. If that's what he ends up doing, who knows? That's a ways away. But uh, you, know, you see a lot of clamoring for pool to start, but I'm not going to get into that. You know, honestly, like Poole, he needs to learn how to bring it like this consistently off the bench. One big game against a far inferior opponent 
is not a reason to bench clay, <laughs> you know, send clay mentally or emotionally down this downward spiral uh, and then put pool in there. Right. So uh, maybe down the road, that's something to discuss as the season goes on. But first and foremost, pool has to show that consistency. Pool looks great, especially when he's playing with Draymond and Steph and Looney and Wiggins. He has to be able to prove it off the bench on the second unit, leading that second unit, right? Uh, last season, teams started to kind of see some of his pet moves, his favorite moves. That went away a little bit. They focused more on him again in the playoffs after he had such a good run against the Nuggets, and even more so now. They're watching what he does. He's on the scouting report. It's like they know his inside-out dribble, stuff like that. They know that he drives and that you're just supposed to stay home because he's not going to outleap you. He's not going to out-athletic you. So you, you just have to stay true to your defensive positioning on his drives and you know take your chances with that. So if you do that, that's when Poole gets trapped, right? Because he doesn't have enough counters to get out of those kind of situations. All he does is spin on his pivot foot looking for a bailout. But he's got to get better at that. You know, He's got to make those quick decisions. If you remember, part of what the Warriors coaching staff was trying to teach Poole when he couldn't break through the rotation in that uh, 2020-2021 season was that he needed to make quicker decisions, right? He would get the ball and hold it or dance with it. And they were just like, you know, <laughs> 0.5 seconds, like make a decision, move the ball or make a move or do something with it or shoot or something. And that's something that he is tending to like hold the ball more often. Yes, he's a better player. Yes, uh, he is more of a lead guard, especially with the subs, but he needs to just make quicker moves and do something with the ball instead of just kind of dancing and trying to size somebody up. I mean, while he's sizing somebody up, if that other team, that other player who's guarding him has done their scouting report, done their homework, then they're expecting probably a couple specific moves that Poole likes to do. I mean, that being said, Poole had um, an amazing game. He was hitting like every single shot. He played 29 minutes, 13 for 20, 5 for 10 from 3, 5 for 6 from the free throw line, 2 boards, 2 assists, 3 steals, and 1 block, no turnovers, and 1 foul. Plus 33, the highest plus minus on the night, 36 points. No turnovers. Jordan Poole, no turnovers. Are you kidding me? That's the most surprising stat, most impressive stat, I should say, on the night because we know he can get hot. We know he shoots well when he starts, but the focus of not turning the ball over, which he's had a huge problem with this season, that's what's telling to me. And to me, that's, that is focus, right? That is effort, you know? Uh, so I think he needs to continue to take care of the ball. Right, Maybe with Steph on the court, he doesn't handle the ball as often, but still, he's not getting in trouble. He's not getting stuck. He's not you know, tossing the ball out, hoping it hits a Warriors player in the hands at the three-point line. So like, these are things that he can do, right? This game is not an aberration for Jordan Poole, but it's not the norm. We know he can do this. And the whole point of paying him 130, 140 over four years after this season is 
because he can get to this and they need him to get to this level of consistency. Again, not every team is the San Antonio Spurs as they are right now, you know? So take this as a positive, take this as a reminder of what Poole can do. But, you know, the whole point of the season is to watch this team evolve and grow and hopefully get better. The Kings game, it was just everything was to hell. You know what I mean? It was just like just more doom and gloom. And that's understandable when you go game to game, game to game, and you've you know seen some bad losses, right? What happens against the Suns in Phoenix? Do the Warriors have a better performance than they did the first time in Phoenix? Do they look like they did on the road when they went 0-5? Like they should get up for this game. And I have confidence that they will because the Warriors starters in particular, they've looked relatively decent. They've looked pretty good for the most part. Everybody, honestly, except for Clay, because Clay's still going through what he's going through. But Steph looks good. Wiggins looks good. Draymond is looking good. And Looney's looking good. So the starters, you know, early in the season, they were a little kind of, you know, slow to get going, if you want to call it that. And now they're there. So they'll bring more to start, but can the bench continue what it had tonight? Playing at home against the Spurs bench is way different than playing against the Suns in Phoenix, you know? So that's something to definitely keep an eye on. Just again, I want to see effort. I want to see progress being made. If I go back to the things I talked about during the Kings game, I said there were like four positives, you know, because I got tired of talking about all the negatives because they were the same every game. And I felt like I was talking about the same issues every podcast. I wanted to point out some positives. The first thing was John the Kaminga, that he was playable. And in this one, he looked really good, (laughs) you know. He never loses his confidence, even when he was riding the bench for that long stretch to start the season. I was curious about that uh, because, you know, he seems a little cocky. And how would he come out? Would he be, uh, would his confidence be dented by that? But he always carries himself pretty confidently. And a dude played 25 minutes, five for seven, three for four from three. What? <laughs> two for two from the line, three boards, two assists. Uh, plus 24 on the night, 15 points. So, I mean, are you kidding me? And that's why I wish the Warriors second unit could play the Spurs second unit every game. But beyond that, Kaminga was doing the things that Kaminga can do. It wasn't just so much that he was, you know, taking advantage of quote unquote lesser competition. He was energetic. Uh, he was playing solid defense. He was playing smart. And he was playing within himself, you know? So uh, he had some very impressive plays out there and I loved seeing it. This is what we need to see more of. If you look at Kaminga, just look at Kaminga on the season. Starts the first game and then comes off the bench, second game, and then is gone from the rotation for a while and then shows up in spurts. And after that road trip, he's getting playing time right? He's getting his legs. He's getting his time. He's getting his rhythm. And honestly, he's been getting better every game. So you could talk about like the young guys, this, that, the other, look at the trends and look at the improvement 
And I think Kaminga is somebody, I mean, we've been saying this for a while. We were shocked when he didn't play, but uh, he's somebody that needs to play. He just makes things happen. Without him, they lose such a dynamic entity on the court. They lose a lot of athleticism and somebody that the other team has to account for in a lot of different ways. Is wild because at some point in the first quarter, Steve Kerr rolled out the lineup of Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, Jamichael Green, and Anthony Lamb. No Wiseman. And that roster did reasonably well. And it was fun to see. We love seeing the young guys get some minutes. It sucks because Wiseman didn't get out there. I was looking at him on the bench. And, you know, he's, like I've said before, he's kind of a mild-mannered dude, not the most like excitable uh, or loud, vivacious dude. But, you know, when something good happened, he would eventually like clap or he would just, you know, sit there when other dudes stood up and, uh, you know, not playing like too much pop psychology, but it's got to be a bummer that he's not out there and, you know, for him to not be out there. And, you know, I'm a Wiseman stand. So like, I want to see him get minutes, but again, Kerr's trying to figure out how to win games and not putting it all on Wiseman per se, but everybody else is just starting to play better right now. And, you know, Anthony Lamb has passed him in the in the depth chart in the rotation, right? And with every three-point shot that Anthony Lamb hits, I believe he hit like three in this one. I mean, the dude played 24 minutes, six for seven overall. Oh my goodness. It was five for six from three. And he had four boards, four assists, plus 26, which was the second highest plus minus 17 points. Now, Anthony Lamb's not going to do that every game. But that dependability is something that Steve Kerr is obviously going to favor, especially in the short term as they're trying to climb back up to 500. So Wiseman is going to be parked on the bench for a while. NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA pregame Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, total points scored, and more. Even though the Warriors have had a rough start, how can you not? bet on them. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. We saw Moody. We saw Jamichael Green, two guys who had also been bolted to the bench. Moody, he played a little bit more calmly, right? Like his defense Hands out, not so much reaching, going for steals. Maybe when you have a 6'11 wingspan, you think you can get a steal here and there without getting a foul call, but at least he was avoiding those. And, you know, he made the extra pass. He wasn't jacking up a three every time he had the ball in his hand. So Moody's line, 27 minutes, four for nine, two for five from three, hit his free throw, four assists, two boards, plus 14, 11 points. That's good. Jamichael Green played 16 minutes, three for five, hit a three-pointer, went out of three, hit both of his free throws, five boards, two assists, two blocks, plus 18, nine points. Again, 
this is a Spurs team that is just not very, very good, you know? So if these guys can get some confidence from this, get a bit of a boost, then great. You know, Kaminga, Lamb, Green, Moody, they're not all going to have this kind of game every game, but you just need a couple of them, right? (laughs) A couple of them, you need people to play solid, but you need a couple of them to play a little bit more than solid. You need them to hold leads and not cough up leads or get into a hole against the other teams. So I think that's that's a huge, huge thing. And right now, I mean, when Wiseman was playing, Kaminga couldn't get past Jermichael Green or Wiseman to get into the rotation. But now it seems like if Wiseman's going to be sitting, then that second unit, you know, you have a little bit more options with Kaminga and Green either playing small-ish, small ball center, uh, or you bring in Lamb, you know, and go really small at, uh, at center, or just put those three guys in and have them all be a little bit more interchangeable. Another thing I said after the, uh, after the Sacramento game was that Dante DiVincenzo looks like he's starting to fit in. He's starting to look good out there. Played only nine minutes because he got ejected. Two for three from the floor, one of two from three, two assists, one steal. Uh, three turnovers, though, not so great. Uh, five points plus 10. Now, that's not a huge you know, line to me, but it sucked that he got ejected for hitting Josh Richardson on the head. Uh, but I guess that's a fair ejection. But it sucks because this is his third game back, you know, and he's just getting into a rhythm. And this was a chance to get like nine plus minutes of court time, of real game time, garbage time, but court time with uh, Kaminga, with Jermichael Green, with Moses Moody, and with James Wiseman. So I, I think that would have been really helpful. Um, and Jordan Poole was on the court at the same time too. So I think that dynamic, you know, they just need, they all need reps together and this would have been a perfect opportunity, but you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, hopefully DiVincenzo gets into a rhythm more so and stays that way and can, can help this team sooner rather than later. James Wiseman eventually got into the game in that fourth quarter and yeah, he looked rusty. You know, he kind of looked like he was, out of sync with everybody else out there. It also didn't help that DiVincenzo got ejected and Ryan Rollins, who actually played decently, hit a hit a nice three. It was two for three from the field, had five points. Uh, but, like, you know, doesn't run the offense the way that DiVincenzo probably could. Uh, but Wiseman played nine minutes, one for three. Uh, his, his one basket was a rebound and putback. Uh, he had two boards, two assists, two points. It's a start. It's a start. Again, I don't think we'll be seeing him much in the near future unless it is a blowout or unless somebody gets hurt. But, you know, right now, honestly, it doesn't matter. This team needs to win. You need to get Kaminga, Moody, DiVincenzo, even Jamichael Green into the flow of things. You need to have guys you can bring off the bench with confidence uh, I mean, even Anthony Lamb, <laughs> whatever he's been eating, make sure he eats that because all of a sudden he's turned into the most dependable player in the history of the Golden State Warriors franchise, apparently. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see where it goes from here. Right now, the Warriors are six and eight, six and one at home. Still 
still 0-7 on the road, and they go to Phoenix against a very, very solid Phoenix team that's been playing well. So Phoenix will get up for the Warriors, and the Warriors will get up for them too. So that should be a good one. Uh, real quick, on the Run TMC Tom Tolbert broadcast, it was it was kind of funny. Uh, I grew up watching those guys, and uh, honestly, like – Tim Hardaway looks like he could still play. I don't know how thick he is under that jacket, but he just, from the neck up, he looks like the same. And he looks like he just needs to shed like off-season weight or something. But it was cool to hear those guys. At first, they were just kind of rambling. I was like (laughs) trying to focus on the game and they were just talking. And I felt like, you know, I was in a bar. I felt like there were a bunch of old dudes behind me just talking. And it was like, yo, can you be quiet? But as the game went on, they started providing some interesting insight. And it was it was fun. And Tom Tolbert, that guy's a, a radio veteran pro. So it was cool to see. And uh, I kind of enjoyed that as opposed to the the, the typical the typical kind of uh, chatter that you get on these uh, broadcasts. Uh, Tim Hardaway, always, always with the colorful quotes. I won't uh, say what he said, but um, I, I, that's one thing that Twitter is good for. I was like, did, did Tim Hardaway just say what I thought he said? And people were like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, there were some clips of it online, but uh, if you're curious what he said, go to uh, go on Twitter and just look up Tim Hardaway or go to my Twitter account and find out what he said. But anyway, uh, good win, good vibes. And uh, it's a good reminder uh, for us how this feels. Hopefully it's good for the the team and the players and the young guys. And they can remember, remember how this goes. I mean, honestly, the Warriors shot 51% from three, 23 of 45, 15 of 16 from the line. And 54% overall. I don't even have to look. That is by far their best shooting night of the season. And they won't shoot that well every game. I highly doubt they'll shoot that well against the Suns. But getting this win into their bones is always, always a positive. So anyway, I'll check you out on Wednesday. All right. Well, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review saying good stuff about the show, on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs.